Um, good morning, Christ City Church. Thank you for joining us. I'm so glad that you're here. I, I know that uh, a number of you that you're here, you're on a mobile device, you're on a laptop or something, and there's a number of other tabs or feeds or websites calling for your attention, but uh, but you're here. And so I want to say thank you. I'm, I'm proud of you for taking time to invest in yourself and in your spiritual well-being, for taking time to pause this morning and to consider with us and with um, the young people and with um, all of us gathered together what it means to follow Jesus. What it is to be loved by God and to love God and to be known by God and to have our lives found fully in Jesus. That's that's no small thing. And as is the case um, each week, my prayer and, and our prayer at Christ City Church is that our service this morning, that, that through the songs and through the prayers, through the responsive readings, uh, through the Kid City lessons, the sermons, communion, that, that through it all, that your faith will be spurred, that your your affections uh, for Jesus will be stirred. And from that place and in this experience, you will be prompted to love God more deeply and to love our world more fully. So again, I just want to say thank you for, for logging on and for joining us this morning. If you don't already follow us on our social media channels, I, I want to encourage you to do that uh, throughout the week. On all of our channels on, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube, we, we post short snippets of the sermons as well as additional posts. And the intention of all of it is to continue to stir up your faith in Christ. And so after today's service, stop by uh, those channels, uh, follow us on social media and take a look uh, at previous sermons, at, at previous songs from our Christ City Choir and Worship Team, um, small group videos and other resources, all of which are intended uh, to deepen your walk in Christ and to keep you up to date and connected with our Christ City family. So again, uh, welcome. Thank you for joining us um, in service uh, this morning. Um, as we began this new year, uh, and by the way, just in case somehow you've lost count, we're only 31 days into this year. So one month in, congratulations, like you made it one twelfth of the way through 2021. As we began this new year, one of the things that the leaders at Christ City sensed God leading us to explore were the ways that we as a church and as individual followers of Jesus might go about the work of deepening our relationship with Jesus and strengthening our souls. We sensed the Spirit calling us to face the stark challenges of this era, the, this moment of history in which we find ourselves, and to meet those challenges, to, to meet this epic with a spiritual resolve that comes not through inspiration, but through discipline, especially spiritual disciplines. We, we asked ourselves, how, how do we step towards becoming a people who are practiced at trusting God, at, at wrestling with God, at finding God faithful with our lives and with our worries and with our cares and, and with our joys? How do we strengthen our souls, especially in such a harrowing season as the one we find ourselves in and have just come through? So that's... That's what we asked, and that's what we wanted, is to saturate our souls with a strength that comes from God alone, the righteous one. However, uh, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, even though this was our hope that we might trust Jesus more, you, you don't drift into trusting Jesus more deeply and more fully. But rather, there's often a rhythm of trusting Jesus, a, a cadence and a discipline to regularly, daily, returning to God and God's word and, and God's work in our lives and in our city. So to help us with this as a church, we've 
We've been following a book by Pastor Rich Velotis called The Deeply Formed Life. Pastor Rich leads New Life Community Church in Queens, New York. This book comes out of his own pastoral ministry in his multiracial urban context and congregational life. And so in, in much the same way that we went through learning to live, sermon series and curriculum that we went through at the beginning of 2020. We've been preaching sermons on the spiritual truths and spiritual disciplines outlined in the deeply formed life. And then we've been processing that material together in our small groups, which recently just started up. As we've been digging in and as we've been trying to respond to these questions, we've been walking through a few different values or um, spiritual disciplines that have been unearthed. Last week, we heard from Brian Franklin, a friend of Christ City Church. Brian has a long history of working in the field of peacemaking and especially using athletics as a means of engaging in justice and reconciliation. Last week, uh, Brian walked us through the spiritual dynamics of racial reconciliation and the need to address racial justice from the well of our relationship with Christ. The week before that, Pastor Andrea, she helped us interrogate our lives' overall rhythms. She offered the obvious diagnosis that we simply move too fast to cultivate lives of reflection, contemplation, and prayer. She offered up a, an arresting invitation to cultivate lives of rhythms of pause and prayer. Both of those sermons can be found on our website and on our YouTube channels, where, well as wherever it is that you go to get your podcasts. I really want to encourage you to go there and to review those if you haven't had a chance to listen to them already. This week, we want to continue in that same vein, and I want us to look at the spiritual discipline of interior examination. Now, interior examination, that can sound like a bit of a heady word, but really what it means is the spiritual practice of asking the Holy Spirit to break through the superficiality of our spiritual lives and to expose any sins or blindnesses that we might have about who we are. Interior examination, it, it asks God to excavate with us any parts of our identity that have become misshapen, misshapen by, by trauma or addictions or idolatries. And we ask the Spirit to expose those to us so that we might begin to be healed of them. And so that we might love God and love others and love the world more, more rightly and in a, a more healthy and honest manner. Perhaps the, the easiest way to understand the heart of the spiritual discipline of interior examination is just this simple prayer. Lord, show me me. Lord, show me me. Show me who I am. Show me uh, what my truest identity is. Show me where I've been mistaken. Show me why I'm afraid. Show me why I fail to listen. Show me where I'm certain and need to be less certain. Show me where I'm timid, but courage is required. And show me why I am the way that I am. Lord, show me me. This is the heart of interior examination. There are numerous examples of men and women in the Bible engaging in this practice and, and in this prayer. There are a number of passages in the Bible where God invites us to examine ourselves, to examine our lives and our faith and, and our motives. The passage that, uh, that was read earlier 
from Psalm 139. It's one of them. I want us to look again at the verses 23 and 24 and see in them an invitation to, not just an invitation, but a structure that we can use to engage in interior examination. The entire psalm of Psalm 139, it's a song written by King David in the Old Testament. It's a it's really a prayer celebrating and recognizing the nearness of God in our lives. This psalm actually begins in verses one through four, where David writes, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all of my ways. The psalmist, David, he, he opens with the truth that there isn't a moment when God isn't with us, keeping us, sustaining us, caring for us, watching over us. Certainly there may be times where we feel lonely or abandoned, but beloved, I want you to know that you're never alone. God tells us time and again that he is with us. And Deuteronomy 31, we are told that the Lord himself goes before you and be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Emma was right in what she said in her testimony, that you aren't alone. Jesus himself, in the last words that he left his disciples in Matthew 28, before he ascended back into heaven, he says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And yet, while the truth is that God does know us and is ever and always with us, still David writes in Psalm 139, verse 23, search me, God, know my heart, test me. Know my anxious thoughts. For many of us, this this prayer, this this request to God, it can feel like an incredibly dangerous prayer to have the God who knows all search us and examine our innermost parts, the innermost parts of our affections and of our thoughts. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that sure. I mean, I could be. Who knows what could be dragged into the surface in that situation? And yet David knows, what David knows is that God is is always fully present with us. David knows that the character of God is that of love and of trustworthiness. And so, beloved, if you find yourself reluctant to engage in a prayer of interior examination out of fear of what you might find, of what sludge may come to the surface, I want you to find courage in the fact that you go to the depths of your own soul, not alone but with a God who is capable of holding your entire life in his caring hands. One of the ways that we will find intimacy with God this year, one of the ways that we will uncover a deepening with the Lord is to open ourselves to the Spirit's work, to ask the Spirit to search us, to allow God to expose the pains and painful patterns of our lives so that his healing work may begin. And that work, it it leads to a deepening relationship with Jesus. Here's kind of what I mean. So last summer, uh, after several months of quarantining, Lisa and I and the kids, we, we rented a cabin in the Shenandoahs with our housemate, Laura, and two other friends that we'd been quarantining with, David and Aaliyah. Uh, you may uh, recognize David and Leah. They sometimes lead worship for us at Christ City. 
No, it, it was a great getaway. Uh, the cabin was great. It was nestled in this valley on several hundred acres, all kind of on its own, very rustic, quite secluded. It was a great town. It was a good break uh, uh, to get out of the city for a minute. We just spent the days like fishing and swimming in a nearby lake. And um, later that night, everybody's heading to bed and I stayed up uh, for a little while uh, later. I was just reading and kind of hanging out. Um, and then David, like he comes out of uh, his room and he has like this, he's got like this panic look on his face. He's like, Watson, I just found a tick on my shoulder. And I'm like, oh man, well, I'm glad you got it off before, you know, like burrowed its head into your skin and sucked out all your blood. And he's like, bro, no, you got to check me. Like, Ali is asleep already. Like, come on, you got to do me this solid. Check me for ticks. And, you know, I'm standing there and I'm trying to process what exactly is being asked of me. And then David, he immediately like, like whips down his head. Now, David's got like, you know, shoulder length to the middle of his back, like long black hair. And he just immediately like whips down his head and he's like, check me for ticks. And, uh. So I'm like standing there and I'm, you know, like my buddy's like in front of me and he's, so I'm like rifling through his hair and I'm looking for, you know, blood suckers that are going to like get into his dome. And I'm like, bro, I don't, and immediately as I'm rifling through my man's long black hair, I realize our relationship just like like went up a notch in the level of intimacy. Like, like our brotherhood just took like several steps forward because he was like, search me. Just check, make sure that things that might hurt and harm me, like make sure that they're not there. The, the thing is, I, I think when the psalmist writes, search me, Search my heart and know my anxious thoughts. He's saying, you know, search all of me. Search the whole of me. Search my heart and my mind. Search the parts of my life that direct my loneliness, that direct my affections and my loves. Interrogate those things, Lord, and see if they are of you or if they have been corrupted in some way by the enemy and are keeping me from knowing you fully. The thing is, church, we all have longings, we all have ambitions, we all have desires, but the misstep comes when we look to fulfill those yearnings in ways that are unhelpful or unhealthy or simply a dead end, rather than looking to the one that truly satisfies. But the psalmist isn't content for God to only search his heart. He says, know my anxious thoughts. Search the parts of my mind that lead me to worry and to fear and to anxiety. You see, the hope in having God unearth these places in our mind is so that he can match our worries with his trustworthiness. As author and speaker Mark Scandrett notes, Mark Scandrett notes, anxiety and fear often reveals the places where we struggle to trust God's care. Seven and a half years ago, um, I moved to D.C. to plant a church left a ministry in a church in a city that I'd appreciated and loved and moved my family to a new city to start a new venture with a new group of people that I barely knew. In our first year in D.C., um, we were still raising financial support. Uh, so I was on a reduced salary and we were living in a ministry house owned by the district church at the time. So in effect, I was living in a borrowed house. 
there were there were many nights where I wondered, what in the world am I doing? I remember um, <laughs> in those early days taking Nathan and Elias to their um, to their new school. I knew it was going to be a hard introduction, so we took them there one evening and um, wanted them to see the the playground because uh, they had a really it had a pretty awesome playground and. Um, let the kids play for about an hour and after an hour or so of playing, we broke the news to them. And I remember it just didn't go well. Nathan was so mad. He, he spit on the ground in his seven-year-old anger. And he told me, you're ruining my life. And, uh, man, I, I remember those first months waking up in the middle of the night. I would, I would wake up. I would just be filled with terror, with anxiety, wondering, what, what if this fails? What if I'm a failure? What if this ruins my family? What if, what if, what if? It was hard to turn that off for a while. And in those months, I remember God continuing to meet and to respond to my anxious thoughts, reminding me of who I was in him, reminding me that even if failure is on the horizon, that my life is measured by faithfulness, chiefly God's faithfulness to me, not my success in any theater of work. What God didn't tell me, though, he didn't tell me that it was going to turn out okay. There was never any of those guarantees, and I think that it's important to know that. Sometimes the thing that we worry about, sometimes it does happen. Sometimes our plans do fail. Sometimes our loved ones do pass on. Justice can be delayed and denied. Our dreams may not come true in the way that we imagined. In those seasons, we have the chance to experience God as our sustainer, our comforter, our refuge, the ever-present God who fully knows us and fully loves us, even in the storms of life. I experienced that, too, in those anxiety-filled days. I distinctly remember God saying to me, Matthew, there will be pain. Stop trying to avoid it. But know that I am in control and I will be your healer when you're hurt. You can trust me. I love you and I'm trustworthy. Yet the thing is, if I hadn't let God unearth my, my honest desires, those desires that were, that were at the root of my anxious thoughts, I, I might have missed the gospel truth that God is with me, is ultimately in control, and is the ultimate healer. Church, we can pray as the psalmist prayed, search me and know me, God. Hear, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Psalmist goes on to write, though, in verse 24. See if there is any offensive way in me. The answer, church, is yes, (laughs) there is. See if there's any offensive way in me. He he asks God to to know and to explore his ways, his actions, the patterns of his behavior that are shaped by his heart and by his mind, his desires and his anxieties. David is exposing his whole self to God and asking God to uncover any areas of his life that remain captive uh, to the enslaving work of sin. The aim of this is is, is to eliminate the ways that sin operates in secret. 
Secrets can have such a, a demolishing effect on our spiritual lives. Secrets and shame, they, they undermine intimacy with God and can stifle the Spirit's move in our lives. And yet confession is what breaks the power that secrets and sin have over us. And when we stand in the light of confession, there is a disinfecting, freeing, and healing power that can permeate our lives. One of the confessional practices that, that I've tried to embody is a practice that I learned from professor and author, Dr. Rob Reimer. Rob shares that one of his practices is to always keep his confessions current. That there are those that are close to him with whom he confesses regularly. His aim is his guiding principle is to die with no secrets. This means that there are people in his life that uh, know his life. People with whom he shares what the offensive ways are that God is convicting him of. And we're able to do this because we know that Jesus' blood is greater than all of our sin and that Jesus' love is stronger than all of our waywardness. But sin isn't just the immoral acts that we might do. It is also uh, the principle of captivity to a power that contaminates our human reality, as Pastor Rich states. Sin is what distorts our inner lives and our outer world. Last week, one of the things that Brian Franklin touched on in his sermon, and one of the things uh, that's explored in the deeply formed life, is the role that the spiritual discipline of interior examination plays in the work of racial reconciliation. If we don't, particularly those of us that are from dominant culture, from white American backgrounds, if, if we don't explore the ways that we have been caught up in uh, a history and the sin-laden, racialized history of this nation, if we don't understand the ways that that history has shaped our desires and our anxieties and our actions, our heart and our mind and our ways, then we will be useless in the Spirit's work of racial reconciliation. As James Baldwin aptly pointed out, people are trapped in history and history is trapped in them. David is pleading with God, show me the ways that sin has informed my history. And liberate me and others that remain trapped in sin's historic grip. To pray Psalm 139 isn't only to ask the Spirit to expose sin in your life so that you can receive salvation. We pray Psalm 139 so that we might see the Spirit and join us to a larger work of liberation that God is doing in our midst. And this way... <clears throat> Interior examination is spiritual formation and justice work. David concludes the psalm with this phrase in verse 24, lead me in the way everlasting. The whole purpose of interior examination is so that we might experience the freedom and liberation that Christ offers. We do this so we might love well, so we might love God and love ourselves and love our neighbors more faithfully. As the message translation of the Bible puts it, guide me on the road to eternal life. We want to, we want to be on the road that the Spirit has intended for us. Not the road that leads to folly or vanity or selfishness or death. We want to be guided into the ever expanding kingdom of God, but we need waypoints along the way. 
times where we check our settings and make sure that we're still traveling on the right road. Those checks, that's what the internal examination is all about. And look, to, to, to engage in this work, it can be hard. It can be a little painful, a little uh, soul elbow grease is required. But the benefit is a deepening joy and life in the spirit. <clears throat> Last week, um, my wife, Lisa, she, she took the task. I didn't even know this was a thing. She took to the task of cleaning our washing machine. Uh, you know, uh, apparently that's, you know, it's helpful to clean the gaskets or drain the water basin or scrub the diodes. I don't know. Like, apparently you just got to clean it. Periodically, as she's working, our, our washing machine's down in the basement. So periodically, I'd go down there and see how it was going. And she'd like, man, there'd be like some god-awful smelling slugs that she'd show me. She'd be like, look what I found. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's pretty nice. I can't believe like our clothes were in that. That's terrible. And then I'd go down. She'd be watching like you know, some other YouTube videos about how to clean the, you know, seals and whatever. I'd run back upstairs. And other times I'd come back down and it wouldn't be like sludge smell, but it would be like this weird potpourri of like bleach and vinegar and essential oils. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she'd explain, well, this, you know, to clean, clean, you know, to, to clean the mold, you got to put some bleach on it. And then to, you know, scrub the inside, you got to put some vinegar in where the soap goes. And then that doesn't, that doesn't smell good. So essential oils to kind of help things fresh out. And I'm like, cool. After two hours or so of her cleaning and me, you know, watching her, watching YouTube and then scrubbing to, you know, about how do you clean front loading washers? She calls me to the basement when she's done and she like, like she opens the door and is like, look at what I've done. I'm like, and I knew uh, my response before I went downstairs was like, I am going to be incredibly amazed at whatever this looks like. When we open up the washing machine, I was like, yo, that is fantastic, babe. Well done. And then I turned to go back upstairs. She's like, no, 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 no. Hang on. And then she walks me through new rules of how to use the washing machine so that it doesn't get all gunked up again. Now, when I wash clothes, when I'm done, move the clothes over. I got a dry, now I got a towel, special towel. She's got, sits on the top of the uh, washing machine. She's got to, you got to dry this stuff out. Don't just leave it wet like you used to. It's okay, yes, ma'am. Periodically, we got to empty some stuff out. There's, there's new patterns. There's new, there's new rhythms that we have to engage in after having done this deep work of deep cleaning the front loading washing machine. Basically, after doing all the, hard excavating and cleaning. We have to have new rhythms and new practices that will sustain us. This is interior examination, doing the hard heart work, but it is also cultivating a life of prayer and asking the Lord to continually renew us so that you might be sustained for the work and the joy and the life that God is calling you to. Interior examination is letting the good news of Christ sink deeply into your heart until it changes you into a beautiful, healed, and liberated soul. Let us not neglect it. Let us not be fearful of it. Let us pursue the work that the Spirit wants to do in our souls for the sake of our lives and the sake of the world. We pray for us. Come, Holy Spirit. God, I pray that wherever it is that people are, are tuning in and watching, Spirit, that you would meet them in this moment. But Lord, even as they hear the, the words of the psalmist, watch, wash over them, search me and know me. See if there are offensive ways in me. 
the things that produce anxiety, expose those, God. And lead me in your good and true right paths. God, I pray that the truth of that, the invitation of that passage would wash over us all. Spirit, that's a prayer that you hear. So God, I pray that you would would embolden us, that you would stir in us courage to listen deeply and intently to you. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.